So when I was a kid, I didn't like going to church. Uh, and so one morning before uh, my mom came in to wake me up for church, I went and got a thermometer and I put the tip of the thermometer between my teeth and I just rotated that sucker as fast as I could to get the temperature up. And it hurt so bad by the time I was done. When my mom came in and I knew I had a high temperature on this thermometer, so I gave it to her and she looked at it and she said, well, we're either going to the church or we're going to the hospital because you're legally dead. My temperature was like 152 and I didn't get out of going to church that morning. So every single year we start the Jesse tree with great intentions. We usually start it about December 14th instead of the first and we have never ever in the 12 years of doing this finished it ever once. When I was younger, my dad thought that we really needed to start doing devotionals as a family, so he chose to implement these at dinner time. Um, and it only happened once because we laughed him out of the room. My mom was also laughing at him. That didn't work. This is us trying to get to church every Sunday. I love that last piece. Does that bring back memories for almost all of us? Or some of you are still living it. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to be with you on our Cedar Falls campus of Orchard Hill Church. Hello to everyone joining us at home. My name is Steph. I just want to just take a second to tell you something. I had a little throat procedure this week, and I'm still a little bit scratchy from that. So can you just bear with me a little if I have some weird pauses today? So I'm really happy to be here joining in in this series in the second week of Intentional Families. And we believe this is important because we all belong to some kind of a family. We belong to biological families and work families. We belong to friend groups and, of course, our big church family. And it's important that we're intentional and not accidental about how we live in the families. So today I'm talking about something you might be kind of surprised to hear in a family series. I'm going to talk about fear. Now, for clarity, I want you to know I'm not talking about physical or abusive fear. If you are in that situation, please reach out to us so we can help you. I'm talking about destructive fears, fears that lead to anger and worry and bad decisions in our families. So we're going to start right off with Psalm 34, verse 4. This is by David. And David said, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. So we're going to get real today and admit that we have fears, even in our family. Even David did. The David who killed a giant with a stone in a sling had fear. And David asked God to help him with those, and that's what we're going to do too. So I'm going to be reminding us about some things that we probably already know, but we might need to be more intentional about practicing in our families, okay? So let's start super easy. Think about what kind of common and obvious fears you have. What makes you afraid? Are you afraid of snakes, spiders, heights? Afraid of the dark? Afraid of clowns? Afraid of public speaking? I have a severe irrational fear. Sharks. I am terrified of sharks. The movie Jaws came out when I was eight years old, and I can say that entire movie by heart. And like many of us with an irrational fear, I'm absolutely fascinated with the source of my terror. And so when Shark Week became a thing, I was glued to the TV for the entire week and every week for decades. Some of you know that I love to fish. 
And my favorite type of fishing is called topwater fishing. And that's where you float a bait on the surface of the water to try to get a bite from below. And then the fish will absolutely explode on your bait and out of the water. And so when I am floating in the ocean, I am convinced that I am the topwater bait. <laughs> and then this was confirmed by Shark Week, Week airing this episode called Air Jaws. <laughs> and yet, I love the ocean. I love the beauty of it. I love the creation of it, the biology of it, the peace of it. And so I go, but before I go, I research how many shark attacks have been in that spot in the ocean ever, and what were those people doing when it happened? I'm not kidding you, this is a real fear. So a friend of mine named England, who's a snorkeling and scuba guide in Jamaica, convinced me and my husband Todd to go snorkeling with him. Now we'd done some trips with him before, but this trip was at night. He said, the reef at night is incredible, and we just had to go. And he said it in that really cool Jamaican accent that I just could not resist. And what have I learned from Shark Week? Never swim at night, never. And have you seen the first scene from Jaws, right? Don't swim at night, but on the arm, or maybe more accurately, on the boat of a trusted friend, we set sail in the dark. And so all sanity gone, we slipped off that boat and into the pitch black, dark ocean. Oh. So now back to family. <laughs> Surely, we don't have fears like that in our family, do we? I mean, really? Have you ever gone to a new school or job or church and met that family for the first time? That can make you nervous. And it's not the building or the classes or the work that's scary. It's the people in those places, and what are they going to think about me? Even more scary can be your own family. Does anyone else remember taking your boyfriend or girlfriend or fiancé home for the first time to meet your huge extended family? Fear. Fear that this is going to be our last date ever. Well, I survived that family meeting. But then when I was in my 20s, a doctor handed me a brand new human being and said, here, take him home, it's too late to put him back. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing, what if I break him? And let's get past the whole taking care of a baby who can't tell me what's wrong with him thing. These baby humans turn into actual people and teenagers, who knew? And what if I mess him up and he has no friends, he flunks out of school, he moves back home and lives with me forever? What if he becomes a professional football player? That would be so cool. But then, what if he drops the winning touchdown pass in the Super Bowl and he becomes a meme for the rest of his life? What if he doesn't believe in God? What if he gets mad because I give him some rules that he doesn't like and he grows up and he never speaks to me again? What if he gets hooked on drugs? Or, I don't really have to go on, because if we are honest, we can all name a million fears that we have in our families. And I just talked about one kid. And now throw in siblings, and spouses, and parents, and in-laws. Think about the dynamics and fears in our church family. This is a big family on three campuses. And for some of you, the idea of joining a small group, or getting involved in a ministry, is worse than that dark ocean. 
So let's get back to that. I'm in the water, up to my neck in deep ocean, and I look over at Todd, and he is just as scared as I am, and I'm thinking, no, this is just a no, I'm out. But England, our trusted friend, looked over, and he said, okay, guys? No, I'm not okay, I can't speak right now. But then he said, don't worry, I'm right here with you. And it was like the voice of Jesus when he said to all of us, I am with you always. And so we put our faces into the unknown, we turned on our flashlights, and we followed every instruction that our friend England gave us. Indescribable beauty. I mean, it was an experience I'll never forget. I got to see an octopus and a squid fight each other. And as a bonus, I still have all my limbs. So I chose to speak about fear today because lately I've been hearing so much of it and watching so many family decisions be made based on fear. I'm still practicing eye care, and in my 30 years of doing that and taking care of families and my many years of leading youth ministries, I have seen a lot of things come from a place of fear. I've done things from a place of fear. Helicopter and lawnmower parenting are driven by fear. Parenting with no discipline or rules whatsoever, that's driven by fear. I talked with several friends recently about their fear of sending their kids to a public university for fear of what they might hear or fear of them questioning their faith. I have seen people take out home equity loans to pay for club sports for fear that if they didn't, their kids would not be on a team or be able to play. And now they have fear of the debt. Fear that the world won't approve of my family values. Fear of what people will think about me because of my kids. Kids, you have a constant fear that your parents are going to embarrass you. And I'm telling you to move it off your fear list and put it on your certainty list. <laughs> a million fears from the ever-persistent judgment of social media. Fear that if we remove the social media judges, then we won't be relevant or we'll miss out fear. So I'm asking us today to be intentional about taking fear out of our family decisions and dynamics. So how do we do that? Well, just like me getting into that dark ocean, let's do it on the arm of a few trusted friends, okay? Jesus and John and other writers of scripture. And let's remind ourselves of some truths and be intentional about becoming families of faith and not families of fear. Now, last week, Dave talked about trusting God through changes and unknowns, and that's certainly a part of driving out fear. I just want to build on that. So I'm going to remind us of a few things. Here's the first thing, okay? No family is perfect. So stop having a fear that we're going to find out that you're not because we already know it, and we love you anyway. Scripture is full of really messed up families, and they're described there on purpose to encourage us. In Genesis... Jacob is a slimy liar with a helicopter mom who helped him trick his half-wit brother out of his inheritance, and then he ran away out of fear to join a new family where his father-in-law is even more slimy than he is, and his wife uses having her period as an excuse to cover up a theft. Good gravy! Doesn't that make our little fight on the way to church seem a lot better? Jacob goes back home to reunite with his family, and he is afraid that his brother will kill him. Like, literally. 
<clears throat> but as messed up as the whole family is, this is a family of God, and he is forgiven. So even imperfect families like Jacob's and like yours and like mine can overcome fear with each other. So stop worrying about being a perfect family because it doesn't exist. Never did, never will. And we can all feel better about that. Second thing to remind ourselves of, to get fear out of our family, love is a trademark of a Christian. And it should be a trademark of our families too. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus is speaking and he says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone you will know that you are my disciples. By this, love, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So if we profess to be followers of Jesus, we can't just accept forgiveness and forget the rest of his instructions. That's not faith. Following Jesus changes us, and it changes how we do family. So I want you to look at the language closely. Jesus commands that we must love one another. And if Jesus says his followers should be known for our love for other people, if that's how he wants us to be different, then let's be different. Let's be marked, covered, saturated in love, especially in our families. Okay, but what does love have to do with fear? Have I gotten a little off topic? Well, John reminds us in his first letter this. He says, love drives out fear. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So when we know God's love and we share it in our families, we don't have to be afraid. If we're experiencing fear in family dynamics, we should examine the source of it. And if we do that honestly, we will often find that what we really fear is either the world's judgment or that our plans for other people might not be their plans or God's plans. So if you're having some fear about something, think about if you're really afraid of the world or that someone else's ideas don't match yours. Why is it so important for your daughter to be a starter on the basketball team? And why are you so mad about it if she isn't? Why does it matter if she gets perfect grades? Why do you care that your son has a mullet or that he doesn't want to go to law school or that he doesn't want to stay on the family farm? Could it be that we are afraid of what the world thinks about them or what it thinks about us? Or could it be that their path is different than we imagined? Some of the best parenting I have ever witnessed was watching some friends parent their daughter through four years of being a bench player in volleyball absolute love and support and full knowledge that was going to be her role. They just loved her for exactly what she was and their family value or image was not dependent on the starting lineup. So there was no fear. Love can drive out fear and all the scary emotions and uncertainty that go with it. So stay with me now. Families aren't perfect. I think we can all agree on that. Families should be marked by love, and love drives out fear, but how? So we're going to keep digging and take a closer look at love. If we're going to use love to get rid of fear, we better know what Jesus means by love. 
And when Jesus speaks of love, can we remember that he speaks of actions and verbs, not feelings? John 15, verses 12 through 13, one of my favorite passages. My command is this, Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So can we practice being intentional about laying down our lives for our families? Not literally dying for each other, but putting aside our own needs, our own plans, our own preferences in order to serve each other. Now look, we have all done this. How many people have been to a junior high band concert? And smiling, we went and put aside something else we'd like to be doing so that we could listen to squeaky horns and try to watch through that one lady who is always blocking our view with the camcorder up front. Laying down your life. Todd knows that I do not like to get groceries, and so often he will go get them while I'm still working. And then when he's working, sometimes I'll mow the lawn or get the laundry done so that he can go play disc golf on a Saturday. That's laying down your life for each other. It's not out of fear or guilt or anything else. A counselor friend told me, this is how to remove doubt and fear about making committed relationships. The key, he said, is to find a partner who loves to lay down his life for you as much as you love to lay down your life for him. And then you just do that for everyone in your family and the same for friendships and work family and our church family. Here's a way that we put our family ahead of the world, laying down our lives for each other. I mentioned sports earlier, and so I should clarify that my family is a huge sports family. We play it, we coach it, we watch it, we love it. We are super competitive. But for us, Family time was a huge priority, and we were deliberate about it. And so we made family vacation in early June a must. And we decided that in order to make that happen, we would all lay down anything that interfered with that. So we missed some baseball. <laughs> and not everyone was happy about that out in the world, let me tell you. Coaches, other players, and especially other parents, they all had their opinion about that but we did not let fear of the world make that decision. We simply told the coaches ahead of time that we would be gone, and that if that meant they couldn't be on the team, or if there was some kind of a punishment, that was totally understandable, and then we went. And my kids have thanked me so many times for those trips. We share so many memories. And as adults, they still make every effort to join us in June for that vacation. They lay down their lives for us. You know what I've never heard, ever? Gee, Mom, I wish we'd skipped vacation for a junior high baseball practice. Now, you might have a different perspective on that, and that's okay. Just make sure your family decisions are based on what's best for your family, your values, and not fear of what the world thinks. Keep on practicing laying down your lives for each other just as an act of love. Okay, the next thing to remind us to get fear out of our families, if love is a verb, can we forgive each other? Jesus can cast out fear with perfect love because he is perfect, but we aren't. And so sometimes we fail. 
right? And he reminds us over and over to forgive as he forgave us. I feel like this is so obvious we just forget about it or we think it only applies to our great big mistakes. I can forgive my kids and my mom for forgetting my birthday. That's no big deal. And hopefully Todd can forgive me when I forget our anniversary, which I have done more than one time. If we practice forgiving small stuff, big stuff gets easier. Jesus is so clear here. Forgive as I forgave you. Forgive more times than you can count. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Be very, very intentional about forgiveness because we are commanded to be, including in our families. So holding a grudge or anger, that just comes from a place of fear, fear of looking weak, fear of admitting you were wrong. Get that fear out of your families. It's just destructive. So practice giving and receiving forgiveness all the time. Last thing. <clears throat> Don't be afraid of speaking truth with grace, especially when it comes to faith, but really all the time. Jesus spoke truth even when it was hard, but he gave grace with it. Both Matthew and Zacchaeus were tax collectors, hated cheaters and liars. Jesus loved them and he had a relationship with them, but he didn't tell them it was okay to keep cheating. He met a woman caught in sin so bad she could have been stoned to death. He didn't condemn her, but he did tell her to stop sinning. Fear of speaking truth is, the, is a tough thing in families, especially for parents. I hear parents express a fear that our kids won't love us if we speak the truth, if we don't affirm everything they do and believe. But being truthful makes your relationship way more trustworthy and actually less fearful when we do it with grace and love. It's what Jesus does. He speaks truth to me every time I open scripture. And I still love him. I think it's one thing I did as a parent really deliberately, and it has paid off in great relationships with my adult kids now. We did it all the time, but let me give you an example. When one of my boys was in junior high school, he told me that he didn't know if he believed in God. In fact, he didn't think that he did. Big fear for me. But I didn't yell and fight. I simply said, that's okay. I'm glad you're thinking it through for yourself but this is what I know to be true. And I hope you come to believe like I do, but either way, no matter what, I love you. And we had many conversations over the years about the science and math and mystery of God. Conversations, not lectures. And now he's an adult with a really strong faith, but I would love him anyway and he knows it. When I was a young mom, it came re became really fashionable to tell your kids that they could be anything they wanted to be. I don't know if this is still a thing today or not, but I think it's a big lie, and so I never said it. You can't be someone else. You can't be a professional singer if you have a horrible voice. You can't be the king of England unless you were born a Windsor. So instead, I would speak truth about what gifts I saw in them, what talents they saw in themselves, and what things matched, how God made them. 
Truth with grace doesn't mean we're always gonna agree either or that something you don't think is right will magically get corrected because you speak it. So if you disagree, speak truth one time and then stop talking unless you get asked more questions and just carry on with grace and love. So imagine one of my kids decided not to follow Jesus. I don't keep nagging and nagging and arguing and fighting. I simply keep loving them and showing grace. Why? Because Jesus said that's how we're supposed to be marked. That's what makes us different from the world. So a word of caution though, speaking truth and grace is something only done in deep trusted relationships. It is not done with strangers or casual friends. So I don't recommend that you get up after church today and you walk to the other side to confront someone who you think is doing something wrong with some truth. Because what's gonna happen is you're gonna get some truth thrown back at you and there won't be a whole lot of grace with it. But practice this in your close relationships. So it is never too early and it's never too late to start following what Jesus wants for our families. Flush out the fears that the world puts on you and be very intentional about it. Remember that no family's perfect. Make love the trademark of your family and drive out fear with it by serving and forgiving each other. Learn to speak truth with grace. And then on the arm of a trusted friend, Jesus, put your face in that scary, dark ocean of family dynamics and listen to what he has to say about navigating it and then just stand back and be amazed. Family's a beautiful thing. So we have this great handout, this series. If you haven't picked it up last week, I hope you got one this morning. And these are ways to practice what we're teaching. Some of these are discussion starters. Some of my favorite family topics are listed on here. So I hope you will take this home and enjoy it and use it today. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for putting us in families. Thank you. And thank you for letting us be a part of yours. And now can you forgive us when we let the world and worldly things bring fear to those families and help us learn to navigate those in a better way by listening to your voice. And we give this sincere prayer to you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all people say, amen.